Welcome back to the Frothcast. I'm your host, Hendo, and this is episode 15. This episode is the first in a series I'm going to call Chats with Loke Dogs. In it, I have a casual chat with a Newcastle Loke Dog, my good friend, Mr. J-Man Hall. Please enjoy. Aloha and wasabi frothers. Open the floodgates. The queue is over. And I bet them surfers are frothing at the bit to hop in that there ocean, man. Y'all going down to them hurlies today, man? Uh, congrats to all y'all and a special good on you, Tanya, to the champions of the quarantine. Courtney Conlog, Griffin Colopinto, and of course, Italo Frothy Ferreira. Unreal. Looking forward to getting that first event underway soon. Speaking of the first event, I still naively don't know a whole lot about Newcastle. And seeing as though Craig Ando keeps screening my calls, where are you, mate? Uh, I've decided to call up one of the only Loke dogs I know. My friend and fellow Nerd Cave frother, better known as Mr. J. Hall. J-Dog went to high school there in Newcastle and has heaps to tell us about the city they call Nui. Please enjoy my first of many chats with Loke Dogs, an exploration of tour stop towns and surf cities rich with history as told through the eyes of Loke Dogs and Lot Lords. First up, Newcastle, New South Wales, Australia, planet Earth with J-Man Hall. It's time to kick ass and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. Like I was saying, yeah, I'd just taken a huge shizzla. And on that note, welcome everybody, J-Man Hall to the Frothcast. What's up, brother? How are you? Hendo, good to be here, brother. Good to see your face again. Right on. Where are you uh, podcasting from today, dog? Uh, so I'm up in the Blue Mountains. I literally found this little shack uh, that has Wi-Fi. I'm staying at a yoga retreat, which has barely any internet, proper remote. I just escape here for the, the summer, the autumn. All right. Well, for those who don't know, where are the Blue Mountains? The Blue Mountains is about an hour's drive west of Sydney. It is a beautiful place. Big tourist, lots of hiking, a lot of cool retreat places. Um, one which I'm staying at, which is like a yoga retreat. Yeah, it's just a good way to go, clear the mind, detox. Right. Get that namaste on. And how close are you to Newcastle? So it's about a three hour drive to Newcastle. Okay, minor. I could do that in my sleep. Gotta love those road trips with the podcast. Well, the reason I'm calling you up, as if you all listen to my previous episode, myself and a few of the buddies I had on my podcast, we don't really know all that much about Newcastle. And the World Surf League is going there on April 1st. Let's hope it's not an April Fool's prank <laughs> to run the first event of the Ausleg. And as such, I think you're pretty much the only person I know from Newcastle. So me being a naive Seppo tourist, I kind of want to soak in what Newcastle is all about. And I'm hoping that maybe you could help us out. Sure. I'll do my best. Look, my mates laughed at me when they said I was going to represent Newcastle. They're like, you just did high school there. So I like to claim Newcastle, but I don't know how much I can claim Newcastle. Uh, my parents still live there. I love going back. It's a big surf town, a real blue collar sort of vibe. They love their skewies. They love their footy. 
that there's so many different surf breaks, so many different beaches in the space of like a 20 minute drive. There's always options. It's pretty much like a surfer's paradise. And not on the Gold Coast, but in New South Wales. Exactly. (laughs) The real surfer's paradise. Epic. Well, we will get into all that. We'll do a little deep dive, but I thought, hey, It'd be fun to do a really quick, digestible, full gram of fiber and play a little bit of a Newcastle lightning round just to get things going quickly. And then we'll get more into detail. So if you will entertain us here, let's try to do this lightning round as fast as you possibly can. And then we'll get into the nitty gritty of Nui. All right. First up, nicknames for Newcastle. Nui or Spewy. What is Newcastle best known for? Footy skewies and epic surf beaches all right other than the four-time world champ mark richards aka the wounded seagull ryan callanan julian wilson and of course chris janow bassist of the band silver chair gunther play the song classic song name two other top ledge dogs from newcastle andrew johns he's like the icon, footy player, grand finalist, won the grand final, NRL. And so you said Mark Richards, Silver Chair. I mean, you've hit the big three there, really. <laughs> Johnsy, and we'll go Maddie Johns too. You know, the brothers, the Johns brothers, both football legends. Up the footy. All right, best beach. Leggy. Best flat white. Best what? Flat, flat white. white. Oh, best coffee. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a long black. I like to go Redhead, Redhead Beach. They have like a cool little coffee shop. It's a nice way to start the, you know, surf check, grab a coffee. Okay. Best Avo toast? Momos. Momos. Classic. They converted this old KFC shit dive into like this new vegan crazy restaurant. And yeah, they do a good solid Avo toast. Best Sizzler Bowl. Best sizzler bowl. <laughs> for, the, for those listening who don't know what it is, best acai bowl. There's this spot in Belmont I just randomly discovered, a little cafe. Um, Belmont's like Lake Macquarie. Best surf shop. I sandbar. That's where I got my quiver killer. There's like this, the vault. It's got all these secondhand boards they sell. Like you can pick up a good bargain. And the guys there are really cool. Like sandbar. Yeah, that's the spot. All right, what's the price of a six-pack going to run you in Nui? You're looking at probably on average about 20 bucks, mate. Okay, I'll have to convert that divided by 69. That's 37 US. Wow, that's wild. 37 US? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> 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 I'll never forget one time on Gold Coast, I saw like a slab plus a backpack for $40. And I was like, what? That's insane. I was like, no, I think it was like $100. And I'm like, that's insane. Anyhow, best pizza. Okay, there's a Belmont again. I'm from Valentine. So there's this like cool little uh, pizza giant on Belmont Road. Like nobody will know where this is. I don't even know what the name is, but like that's the spot we go to. All right. I got a couple more and deadliest animal. I mean, I know drop bears are out there. Is there sharks, snakes, <laughs> drop bears? Dude, snakes, are, snakes be wild, man. Like in the last two years, I've nearly trod on two snakes. One red belly, one brown snake. One up in the mountains, one on near Crescent Head. Sharks as well. They they we spotted a shark up in Broken Head. Me and old Sprog Dog were out surfing, and we, and we got we didn't spot it, but like we came in, and thirty minutes later, the whole beach was cleared. So there's a lot of sharks been popping up in the last you know couple of years. Oh, hectic! Shout out to Sprog Dog though. Love that guy. <laughs> 
All right, I got two more. Place most likely to see a CT surfer. I'm not sure, dude. I haven't, like, for me, it's on the WSL tour. <laughs> like, mm. where, where you get on tour, you spot them everywhere. But I'm not sure where Julian and Ryan are, are, are hanging out. Maybe the beaches, pub, yeah, just across the road from Merriweather. All right. Well, last one for you. Best place to drop a shizzler. Dude, I don't know, man. Like a, a nature bush shizzler is always good. <laughs> yeah. Good sunshine. I mean, if you have to, like I wouldn't recommend it, but like if you're really stuck and you're in the middle of nowhere, like that's probably been the best place I've taken a shizzler. I was like, oh, this is... But yeah, other than that, I'd go like maybe the Hilton or something like really fancy, like one extreme to the other. All right, brother. Well, thank you so much for entertaining me there. I really appreciate it. Let's go back and kind of, if you could paint a little bit of a picture to fans and Frothcast listeners, what the beach at Merriweather is like, what the wave is like, what the town is like, what's the vibe? So Merriweather is beautiful. It has this natural amphitheater one of the biggest wide open beaches we have in newcastle it has like so many different options you've got south which has this rolling right hander dude you got dixon park in the middle and that's like a so i think you would enjoy dixon it has a lot of different like options on the beach breaks and um just fun different things you can do there and then on the north side you've got sort of bar beach which has like a long left and also like a right there but it's really a beach that can hold a lot of size as well. So when the swell's in, Merriweather is like one of the best spots to be surfing. Just wait for Greggy and Blakey to get that drone up. It's one of the most beautiful places as well. You know, the big, nice houses, lots of beautiful women jogging the beach, little skate park across the road. It's a real nice town beach vibe. Right on. Sounds like a place I wouldn't mind to be frothing at. I know they've done QS events there and they have done CT level events in the past. There's a lot of history, but it seems like it's been a while. If you were to look at the wave and its potential, you said there's a big hand right that I actually saw on YouTube, like has really nice offshore barreling days sometimes. Who does it tend to kind of prefer? What style of surfing would excel there? I like I would go with the local, you know, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Callahan, you know, like I think he just because he's surfed it the most, I just think he's going to come into the comp with a lot of energy, just being a loke dog. Maybe someone like Jordy, there's a lot of power. If if there's size there, there'd be like a lot of power there. And I think someone like Jordy could probably link a lot of turns and just, you know, throw a lot of power into to that wave. I was thinking that too, if it gets big enough for him, I've been looking at some footage where it'll suit him. And we recently did a podcast with The Wuzzle where we interviewed Jordy and he is in a great headspace. In my previous episode, we talked a lot about the people in quarantine who were posting workout videos and other random shit, but Jordy's been relatively quiet, but he even said himself, he's like, why should I post videos of myself working out to try to influence other people to train when I would rather just not give them that motivation, you know? So I think that could be a good pick there. I might have to switch my team up. I got Jordy in my team. Yeah. And I think that's a very smart move. It's like, why show people you're motivated? I mean, also it's just a waste of time. Like you got to set up a camera to do push-ups. It's like, just, just do the push-ups, right? Yeah. I was calling them Norwegian gyrating push-ups, but How you does know. that work? Sorry. 
I don't know. I can't even. That's <laughs> what they're doing there in the quarantine. I can't even explain it. No idea. <laughs> All time. But so have you gone by the event site recently or you're just a bit outside in Sydney? I ha- like, I mean, I, I haven't been there since they've started setting it up. I'm doing a little road trip up to North Coast next week. And then I'm going to come back to Newcastle. But but with, with Merriweather, there's this big, like Dixon Park has this big open sort of like grassy area where they i'm assuming that's where they're going to set up the broadcast sort of truck and the nerd cave and all that athlete zone and then like i mean with with the beach like you can fit they could get like 10 15 000 people down there like it's so much space and it's got like these big grassy sort of sandy you know hill and it's also peels up on the headland up near the beaches there's like all these different vantage points yeah i think it'll be an epic event just hope that hope the waves come really yeah what's the talk around town are people talking a lot about it are people fired up oh absolutely i mean just to have the caliber of surfers hit a town and you know we're talking you know gabes and you know like the best in the world hitting newcastle it's gonna ah, it's gonna be epic and all my mates frothing over it you know they can't wait i just I think it's going to do a lot for the town. I mean, already it's such a surf town. So I think it's just been an event like this has just been waiting to hit Newcastle. Mm. I mean, I'm stoked. I can't wait. Yeah. Do you remember when you were going to high school there, any surf events that came when you were there? I don't know. When I was in high school, I had that choice of do I surf or do I skate? And I went down the skateboarding route. Newcastle back then was a town that... It was a little grimy, to be honest. It, it's had this major facelift in the last 10 years. And 20 years ago when I was in, in school there, it was this grimy, like a lot of the shops were boarded up. And I mean, it was a skate haven, like for street skating, it was this place. I mean, every day after school, I'd catch the bus into town and the skate culture was so, so good. So I really didn't, even like surfing when I was in Newcastle as a kid, I used to enter this event called the Skate Fest event, which went along Surf Fest. That was a huge event, you know, but I was mm. always in the, the skate comp. Oh, know. sick. So were you sponsored at the time? I, I've seen you skate and you rip. I was never that good to get sponsored. Like I didn't really have much style. I just go big and hurt myself a lot. And that was, I guess, my expression of skating. Hence my two broken ankles, one recent. Damn. So when someone drives by and says, do a kickflip, you could obviously do it. I could do it. I had the basics down, but um, yeah. I just like throwing myself down big sets of stairs. And I love this, the skate uh, culture in Newcastle. It didn't matter what age you were. You just rock up to the skate park, which was right on Newcastle beach. You'd skate for an hour there. Just like organically, you'd form a crew and then you'd go hit the streets and they had so many good street skate spots in Newcastle. And, you know, you just skate the library, Civic, pretty much anywhere until you got kicked out. And then you just move on to the next spot, the next spot. Right. At that time, what was the relationship with skaters and surfers? Since you were skating right across the beach, were there surfers that would come skate and vice versa? Pretty like there wasn't too much of a crossover. It's like, I think you either surfed or skated. Uh, you mm. either had that beautiful beach long hair or you had the the cap backwards with the hoodie and you're skating, you know, it was just like, I mean, there was obviously a bit of a crossover. There was no like, you know, we weren't getting into fights or anything. It wasn't like a, the skate surf war, war going on, but 
for me, it was quite different and just the culture was quite different. But there's like, there's one, I mean, I remember there's this one time where one of my older brothers, he looked like, he kind of looked like a bit of a surfer. And I was filming a bunch down at the skate park. There was the surf fest on this big surf fest competition. We decided to get my mate with my video camera to go down with some promo girls and pretend he was a pro surfer, you know? So we we started shooting him on the rocks. Like I look, I was looking back at the footage, it was so awkward. He's on these rocks with all these promo girls over him. And I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, such and such. He's like a pro surfer filming him. And then this crowd, this like mosh pit crowd came running past and I sort of panned the camera across and someone had won the surface competition. It wasn't until about 10 years later that I was looking back at the footage and it was a young Mick Fanning with his, you know, bleached hair. No get, way. Getting shouldered up the beach. And I was just like, ah, it's just some surfer at the time, you know? Like, right. Oh. Those are the Eugene glory days of Mick, Eugene, white lightning fanning. I've actually got a bobbing head doll right here on my desk from his retirement party, looking at it all the time. But what a Lord. I can think back to surf culture when he was that Grom with the blonde hair and those glasses, the crazy sunglasses. And there was a certain surf video I used to always watch called chocolate barrels where they would ask him they're like hey mick if you weren't a surfer what would you do and he goes mate wouldn't be a homie go stab some people <laughs> and like ever since i heard that i'm like dude this guy is a freaking lord i love this shit and that's one of my favorite surf videos of all time and he is still one of my favorite surfers and humans that i've met on the surf tour what a cool memory that you can look back and be a part of that such a dude, such a dude. Yeah, so it, there was there was a lot going on. I just wasn't like in tune with it. You know, it's like this other, you know, thing happening. When you talk about it, it almost sounds like the surf fest and the skate fest. It almost sounds like when I was a kid, we had X Games and then the US Open of surfing in the butthole of California, which is Huntington Beach. Similar things with bands and skating and surfing and all that going on where as a kid, you're like, all right, I'm going to go get a bunch of, Old Spice, freaking deodorant, a bunch of stickers and try to like see if I can go talk to some girls or something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly, dude. <laughs> and the, the video camera is the ticket too. Like it, even just to get in close to, like for me, it was getting close to the pro skaters, the Tony Hawk or whoever was like touring at the time. You know, you just get the camera and you get like a front row ticket to like all the, the skate action. Yeah. Was there any pros that came out of that area of Newcastle from skating? There was a lot of good quality skaters. It's hard to really name a lot of Australian pro skaters that have made it like internationally big, but there was, you know, the Goodwin brothers. And I mean, just like I progressed so quickly in the space of three years, just from skating around the mm. talent that was there, mm -hmm. you know, like you'd go to a spot and you all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy's doing a handrail. I've never done a handrail before. And then next thing you know, you're just kicking the board out from a handrail and rolling down the bottom and going like, oh, I nearly did that. I might go try that again, you know? So it had this real, I don't know, this encouraging progression that was energy that was, was happening at the time. That's what I feel like with surfing too. When you surround yourself with better people, they push you to charge bigger waves and you find yourself day by day just getting better. So I always try to surf with people who are just a bit better than me, which 
usually tends to be a case more often than not. <laughs> and that's why I surf with you, Hendo. <laughs> oh, I remember a day we had at Ulu's, man. There was a huge set and I didn't know you were going on that big ass left. And there's a photo of us. I was like, oh shit, someone's on this one. I looked back and you're on it. And that was like a massive wave. And for you to have caught in that, like only after a couple of years of surfing, I was really impressed, bro. Dude, I was, I was happy we were on it together. I mean, that f- it was a shame the photo just cropped me out because, yeah, you know, I mean, it was an all time moment. Yeah, and I didn't mean to snake your dog. I didn't see you, but I'm very proud that you went on that one. That was sick. I was never going to make that wave, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was wild. So going back to Meriwether and the Nerd Cave, do you know when you guys are going to go there and set up? On the, I think on the 30th. Oh, man, that's somebody's birthday around here. Is that your birthday? Hang yeah, dog. Yeah, dog. All right. Happy I'll tell, birthday. Yeah, I'll have to remember. You. Put in the calendar. Yeah, tell everyone in the Nerd Cave to send it in my name. Speaking of Nerd Cave and the event going on, we're going to be watching very closely and we're all excited, but you yourself are a Nerd Cave frother. You're an edit lord, producer, and you've done many great things in filmmaking. How did you get your start? Was it in Newcastle that you started? Actually, yeah. I made a film in Newcastle when I was 15, this skateboard film called Ambition. At the time, my parents bought like a little video camera and the school... I was, I was at Hunter Valley Grammar School and they had this new little editing equipment that nobody knew how to use. What was it? It's called Casablanca. And mm. it was literally you'd put your tape or video input in. It was sort of like one of the first nonlinear sort of consumer products, which never really went anywhere. But it was kind of at the birth, would have been 98. So just pre-Final Cut days. It was, I was stoked, dude. Because at the before that, I was recording, I was playing video on the TV screen and then I was videoing it and then I was playing music. I was just trying all these ways to learn how to video edit cheaply. And <laughs> finally, like I found an avenue through this school project I had to do. And yeah, I made this skate film and it got into an international film festival. So I got hooked after that, you know, it was just such a fun process putting it together. Yeah, so were you just kind of a grand punk kid filming on a handy cam and then putting punk music underneath and just put it out on VHS? Pretty much, dude. It was just a, a had a Canon XM1 video, like mini DV video camera. Yeah, just just we would just go hit the town and and skate and just film. And I think I even took it to my school and filmed the boys playing rugby in our like button up suits, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah knew he was skate rugby you know so it was it cut from different scenes and it was just it was just fun like i just really enjoyed the craft of like putting it all together and it was also a ticket for me to not have to continue my education right i was gonna ask is that a career path that many people in newcastle chose at the time no i mean newcastle it's like it's a heavy sort of industrial town yeah, it's a lot of people just go to trade. So it's like electricians and like my dad's a sparky, um, plumbers, you know, mm-hmm. like, or, you know, go work in the big industries. Uh, there's a port there. So a lot of people work at the port. Mm. Yeah. For me, it was just like filmmaking's my thing. I'm going to Sydney and starting my career in filmmaking. I think the next year when I was 16, I went to Sydney and landed a job with a company video editing the rest is sort of history from then it was just starting a few businesses failing at a few businesses yeah the whole world of filmmaking really opened up yeah so 
from there, when you moved to Sydney, is that when you started your post house with Joy Dog, Benjamin, and Joshi Boy, some of the more legendary nerd cave frothers that I've ever met? The boys. I first started like a video called Ignition DVD, and it was like on modified cars. And we we did like a modified car. It's like Fast and the Furious, but a video publication that we released every month. That was about five, six years of my life. And then after that, I had a few years off. Then I started a post-production company alongside Milk Money Films with Matt Taylor. And he was bringing in these awesome clients like Red Bull. They had so much creative scope at the time because it was the birth of the branded content. They didn't really know the formula. We're kind of inventing the formula of how, like, Online streaming is just taking off and the advertising game had just changed. Like we wanted to create content that was interesting and look, maybe they're drinking a Red Bull can somewhere in the shot. But at the end of the day, it was like producing cool products that people would watch and get inspired by as well as advertising in there. And that's when, you know, Josh, Ben, Jai Dog, all those boys um, were working in with me in my post house. I mean, Josh Palmer was a freelance editor. He was doing his own thing, but yeah, we were working on some epic projects and it was such a good vibe with those boys. You know, like you've, you've worked with them on the tour a few times and you know, you know, what's up for sure. And, um, every one of you guys has fantastic editing skills. You guys are on point. I remember meeting Jai dog for the first time, seeing a cut he did on the gold coast. I was like, damn, that's pretty sick requiem for a dream style and then you stepped up to the plate and said damn j-dog you know j-man like all you guys have such skills what was it about all you guys together were you growing at the same time or did you all have like a strong filmmaking background and kind of like what we were talking about earlier when you're around people who are better than you it forces you to get good was that kind of going on with your guys filmmaking too yeah i, th I think i guess when you own like like for me, when I started and bef before the boys really came on board, like when, when you own a company, there's a lot more at stake. Like we had Red Bull at our fingertips, you know, as a client. And we just had to keep impressing them with our videos to sort of get more jobs from them. And then we just developed a culture of just creating really interesting dynamic content. And that just became the benchmark. And I, I remember when Jai and Ben joined, like, I mean, Ben was, was straight out of, of um, just finished his uni and, and hadn't done a lot, but they, they just fit plugged into the system. And like three months later, they were producing really good content. Mm. Um, it, it did, it, like you said, like just being around, I guess, talent, it, it really pushes you. And, and Josh, Josh Palmer, like he, I mean, he, he'll cut something that's just, like very plain, like a scene will be very plain and he'll turn it into like something extraordinary. Mm. He just has that talent of just was creating something like the, the, the ordinary into extraordinary. And when you're working around those people, yeah, it does really push you to like, to really raise the bar. Right. I've always been impressed. And let's not forget Terry's tutorials. Shout out to Terry's tutorials, YouTube. <laughs> like and subscribe, mate. We're going to leave the link. Uh, I'll yeah. leave a link in the show notes. You guys check it out. Terry's tutorial. Uh, what a freaking lord that Benjamin is. Uh, man, he's doing some Classic. funny, great shit. I'm loving it. So from there, you said you worked with Red Bull a lot. And I remember you saying that you made a Sally Fitzgibbons documentary. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
So, yeah, I, I was um, sort of head of post for this Sally Fitzgibbons doco, um, which we followed Sally in one of her years on the tour. We were really hoping that she would win the tour. She was runner-up three times in a row, and this look, really looked like her year, but I think she ended up coming third that year. It was a really nice documentary. You know, we went to South Africa and she was surfing with Steph Gilmore and, and um, a few of her friends there. And then, yeah, I think we were shooting throughout the whole year. And because she didn't win, we decided to finish the documentary in Nova Scotia, where she surfed the up near Canada, where it's like snow, like fully snowing. And there was mm. a pretty good surf break up there and it was i guess her overcoming that icy cold water and like sally always loves a good challenge and you know she she rose to the challenge and um was just ripping up in nova scotia and it was this beautiful way to finish the documentary yeah and that's called behind the smile right behind the smile yeah cool well we will try to find that and leave it in the show notes but when I think about Sally and I think about Merriweather with the upcoming event am I saying that right Merriweather or is that Merriweather <laughs> Merry, merry weather, merry weather. <laughs> when I think when I think about what I've seen between the both, I think she could do pretty well there. She has done great in the past. I know she's won it a few times, and with her recent surfing, when I look back, like 2019 or 2020, when the tour was just starting and then COVID happened, she was surfing really well, and she had this really specific air reverse that I remember her doing. And I was super impressed with how she was surfing. So I feel like she might do pretty well at this upcoming event there. I think like just, just seeing her lead up, I mean, I follow her on Instagram and, you know, it's hard to tell. And I think that's why with that documentary called Behind the Smile, because she's always smiling. She always looked like she's going to rip and win and, you know, um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I picked her for, for this event as well, because you know, also, I guess, being from New South Wales, the type of wave, the way she's been surfing, the consistency on her air reverses. Yeah, I think she's got a very good chance to to take it out. Yeah, she's a lord. And we wish you much luck, Sal Dog. But you were talking about earlier that she went up to Nova Scotia to surf in cold water, which reminds me of these cold plunges and these cold showers I've been taking where my... Uh, fruit and twigs turn into BBs <laughs> and an anthill. <laughs> and um, it reminds me of Bali when we were out there about two years ago and Wim Hof's brother was out there leading courses in Uluwatu and you took part in a few of them, right? Yeah, Marcel Hof. He did a 30-day Wim Hof course up in Uluwatu there. And I joined for three days, I think. Yeah, I guess it was my introduction to the Wim Hof method and the cold plunge, which was... I mean, it was epic. Yeah. What was that experience like and what did you take out of it when it was done? I took the cold therapy, you know, like uh, the cold shower. That was a bit of a mind fuck just to like sit in the icy water. Like that first 30 seconds in the icy water, it's just like, I almost went into like full panic mode, you know, like my head was about to explode. I couldn't breathe. It was really scary. And then once you break through that barrier, there was the next, I was in there for six minutes, you know, the next five and a half minutes, you really find your breath and find this calm, still place. And it's just amazing how your body adjusts to the, the icy water, which was epic. And then on top of that, we did the breathing technique, 
mm. where you have a controlled hyperventilation and then you on the exhale after like two two minutes of controlled hyperventilation you exhale and hold your breath for different timings from 30 seconds up to two and a half minutes wow did you notice a distinct progression by your last session compared to your first were you able to sustain that cold water for longer it's funny because like it's it's still even to this day it's still a shock crazy shock to the system but i think there's more confidence and i think that's what's great about going and doing these courses because like now i've just got the confidence that okay this is just that freak out first 30 seconds i've just got to get through that barrier which is always going to be there it's not like that barrier at the start goes away it's just having i guess more confidence in the technique yeah we're seeing a lot of surfers utilize those techniques now and actually when you and i were at margaret river after the event wrapped we had some time to kill we we're kind of cruising around trying to figure out where to go next and right there in the hotel area was a sensory deprivation tank and do you remember when we walked in there, who they told us was using it right before he won that event? Mr. John John Farns. That is correcto mundo. And I had never done anything like that before. Sensory deprivation tank. You get in there, you know, sands kit, no clothes and all that shit by ourselves, separate tanks everywhere, obviously. But I was just floating around in there being like, trying to force my mind to shut up and you're floating in this like salt water saline but eventually like meditation when your thoughts stop and you're able to just exist i came out of that thing just feeling so calm and peaceful and realizing wow like it's no wonder that john won that event because he was utilizing that flotation sensory deprivation tank like all the time and maybe doing visualizations and stuff like that what was that experience like for you well, that's it. I remember too, they, they said that John John, you know, set very clear int intention on that he wanted to, to win the event. I asked if I could set that intention to win the, you know, to get on tour and win the, the event the following year, but I don't think it works like that. But yeah, <laughs> look, like any form of meditation, just to get into stillness, there's so much wisdom and knowledge that we find when we finally get to that place of quiet and stillness. And sometimes, and that's, that's what's great about the sensory deprivation tank is that it does shut off everything. You really do, like for me, it really took about 45, 50 minutes to get into that space where my mind, all the thoughts had dissolved away. And then I'm, I'm right in the body, you know? And then it's just like, yeah, it's just a beautiful experience. Yeah, that's something I'm learning about meditating every single day and i've been doing it for maybe three or four years and some days my mind won't shut up and that's totally fine it's not like every experience has to be this life-changing thing sometimes i do find myself zoning out and i go somewhere else but it's all about recognizing when those thoughts do show up and realizing my thoughts are not who i am and being able to recognize your senses, your body, how it's feeling when those thoughts pop up and just being okay with it or possibly changing them if they're not the thoughts that you're looking for. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think the biggest thing with people with meditation is there's this resistance because they, they think, oh, I can't do it. I'm doing it wrong because I, I'm thinking too much, you know? It's like, nah, like literally meditation is just sitting down for 20 minutes if you like it that's it and if your experience is like heavy breathing and lots of thinking then that's your experience mm -hmm. 
and maybe that's what you need to do for like the next 10, 15 sessions or whatever it is until you do start to get into the the stillness. But there's never a goal. It's just like, it's like you arrive on your cushion or wherever you're sitting, or how you arrive. And for some people, that is quite an easy experience. I mean, for me, it, I, I when I first started meditating, I was arriving at a very like disturbed place, you know? Mm. And I think that was, that's what was scary, you know, for me. Yeah. I often kind of think about meditation and surfing in the same realm because both have such long, slow learning curves. Surfing itself, for me, I learned when I was 10 and I probably didn't start going down the line until it was, you know, five years later and then finally did a floater or whatever. And with meditation, you could do it for a year and, and not have any breakthroughs, but eventually you'll see some little nugget of wisdom come to you when you least expect it, like getting your first barrel or doing your first turn or whatever. Yeah, totally. And I, I think also, I guess with surfing is like, you can't like force the progression. It's almost the same with meditation. You can't like force to get to that point where you find stillness. It's just like, I guess you, you just got to keep paddling out, just keep that wave count up. And then eventually like, yeah, that, you know, I, I can't say that I've got barreled or done anything that, that crazy. But like, even for me, it's just like the turn, just learning how to turn, like that turn came eventually you know if i go now and try and force an air which i do try and do all the time and i just just look like a complete idiot but it's not going to happen you know same here same here (laughs) i keep leaning way too far back even though i've been doing them my whole life i i don't know what happens as you get older trying to do airs the last alley-oop i tried my shin went right through my rail and i came up bloodied on the beach i was like i don't know if i should be doing this shit anymore man wow but I love it. Man, I, I I did I did a backflip off the back of the wave. I was like, that's pretty cool for me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got a little claim after a little Wolverine claim. I'm good. I'm out. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I don't know where the board was, but yeah. <laughs> it was somewhere. Well, we've had some fantastic times on the road. And speaking of meditation, I was hoping that maybe we could meditate on one of the biggest puzzles of life. Fantasy surfing. Okay. I can't for the life of me. It keeps me up at night. I'm tossing and turning and I'm thinking about who to pick and whatnot. But I was hoping that maybe a loke dog could help us better understand Meriwether and who to pick. So I was wondering who you got on your teams for the upcoming event. I'll do my best. First and foremost, have you got Steve Rudman? Steve Rudman, man. <laughs> I've got him to pick the most donuts from the uh, broadcast catering. You bastard! Truck. <laughs> Steve Rudman was a dude who uh, snagged our last muffin one day when we were all chomping at the bit at Bell's and bless those teachers who cook wonderful food there. Shout out to the Bell's crew. Shout out to Test Dog. So many legends at Bell's. What wonderful food. And shout out to Bell's. We're going to miss you, but you'll be back. And Steve Rudman, you don't get a shout out, but like, you can't just sneak in, take the last like muffin, mate. Come on. Damn muffin. Come on, man. Rudman. All right, fantasy surfing. Who you going with? Let's start with your women's team, if we could. Like, I picked Sally Fitzgibbons. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go. You know, like I love the way um, Tyler and and Chris are surf. They're so aggressive and dynamic, and you know, it's hard to pick against them. But Sally's my girl. What about your tier B for the women's league? I think I'm going all American with the Caroline Marks and Courtney Con- Connolly. Both two legends and. 
We've been loving Courtney in quarantine. She's been a riot. And then toughest is that C tier because you only get to pick one. I just went with Barissa Hennessy because she's a cool chick. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we kicked it in the gym at um, Karamas a few times. Literally, that's it. Like, <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't picking because of surfing. I was like, oh, I like it. You know, like it's, it's an emotional one. You know? Yeah, it's crazy to think sometimes how surfers treat you and that rubs off subconsciously to your fantasy picks where I'm like, oh, Michelle was super nice to me the other day. You know what? I'm going to pick him. <laughs> sometimes it pans out. Sometimes it does not. When I saw Medina in the bushes before Pipeline, that premonition paid off people, but sometimes it doesn't. Speaking of Medina and the guy's side, who are you going with the men? I went, like we said, Jordy. I think this wave will suit him. I like Italo, the way Italo surfs. He's a legend. So much froth. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're a B team? So Julian Wilson. Because it's sort of like his local wave too. I think his missus is from Newcastle. Mm -hmm. So Julian, you can see Julian down there quite a bit. And I think he will be stoked. Adopted Novo Castrian. That's right. That's right. And Ryan Callian. So I think he's definitely going to come with a lot of energy. And I'll be like so stoked to see him take it all out if he could. Mm, Ryan Caliente. Yeah. yeah. I went with um, Math. I think Matthew... McGillory? Yeah, the South African. Right. I saw him surf at the Cabarita Beach. Mm -hmm. He nearly took out that comp, which was pretty much all Aussies. He actually had a really high heat total at pipe. So not bad pick, not bad. Continue. Yeah, I've got him on the seat. Um, and then I've gone... You said uh, Hitsunome Batero, right? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> oh, uh, Lee, Lee Winkler? <laughs> oh, Lee, Lee Winkler, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Troy Brooks? <laughs> Dude, Trey, Trey's been surfing epic right, right now. Dog, those are some good picks. And a couple last questions remaining. You know, you grew up there in Newcastle. What's something that, that WSL viewers of the webcast might not be able to see about Newcastle that you kind of wish they could take away from that event? Mate, I think it's just going to be the, the, the Newey culture. What goes on behind the scenes Dude, when, when Greg and Blakey send that drone up, they're going to see how beautiful the place is. Like, I'm sure the beauty is going to come through from Chris switching in the trucks, all those beautiful different angles. It's going to look pretty epic. But just the behind the scenes, like the beaches, hotel, that pub's going to be cranking. The skewies are going to be flowing, mate. That was my next question. When the event is wrapped and if it's safe to do so, where's the after party? Mate, I think it's just going to be flowing through the streets, walking around, skewies in the hand, ciggies out the mouth, sleeping on roundabouts, Mavos. So that exists there right now? It's, it's yeah. What do you mean exists? I mean, we're still, we're barely in the red tier here in uh, San Diego, which means now they've just opened indoor dining and yet still people wearing masks. And it's still very cautious in the sense that there's no bars or clubs or anything like that really open here dude i think they've just introduced standing and drinking which is a big time news for the timing of the wsl so you can stand in pubs and drink and walk around and drink oh shit it used to be table service but now it's like i, I think the restrictions are, are really getting lifted oh wow i was gonna ask so what's the best pub i really liked debury on sunday like Sunday afternoon sessions. It's right in the port. There's usually like a DJ set up and a live band set up there. <sighs> it's, oh, it's right on the water. Epic. The, the beaches at Merriweather is also sick. 
you know, you can get into some local pool competitions. You mm. can uh, stumble around, meet new friends. Everyone's pretty, pretty welcoming. You know, if you play your cards right, you will make a lot of friends. If you play them wrong, there'll be fisty cuffs. But that's uh, <laughs> that's the uh, couple of the glasses vibe. at the bar. <laughs> that's right. Just uh, just keep a smile on your face. You know, that's it. Don't 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 try and be too cool there. Yeah. Know? They'll bring you down quite quick. Right. That never gets anyone anywhere, especially with the tall poppy syndrome. Huh? Exactly. Shit. Well, I'm incredibly jealous and I wish I was there with you guys. And if you could in the nerd cave, maybe play a couple of nerd pranks like I did to you back at uh, Margaret River a few years ago. You know, the Apple A, Apple <laughs> option I select all with a folder full of 500 <laughs> pop-up windows. If you could keep the vibes high play a couple nerd pranks, send all the love to the nerd cave and do keep us here on the Frothcast in form with everything going on out there. Yeah, mate. Just um, lovely to be chatting to you again. I'm going to miss not having you, but you know, I'm sure 2022, mate, we'll be, we'll be back in the saddle. Yeah. And you know what? By that point, I will have a budding podcast and uh, we'll have sponsorships up the wazoo and I'm going to bring the Frothcast onto the tour. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> Just waking up my landlord and shit. But uh, I can't wait for that day to be reunited <laughs> with everybody. And guess what, dude? Hey, things change. And that's the way it is. I need killer, but don't push me. Shorty's going to be a thug, dude. On that note, <laughs> keep it real, dog. There's a few I wanted to say, but I had to like, you know. Like. Yeah, it's been real, my friend. And uh, Tupac, we miss you. You're a freaking legend. <laughs> and uh, Jay Hall, everybody, thank you so much for your time, doggy. Thanks, brother. My pleasure. See ya. All righty then, mates. That's it for this episode. And remember, the Rip Curl Newcastle Cup presented by Corona starts on April 1st. So join the Frothcast Fam League on the WSL website and make sure you get your survival picks in. <laughs> uh, yeah, but stay safe out there. Stay healthy. Stay frothy. And always remember to froth until you sloth my dogs. I love you all and good night, my friends. Bye.